All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome, dear listeners, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is the show that is for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little deeper into your life than you may do on your own. We are the show that is grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit, offering you a unique perspective from both worlds at the same time. A little psychology, a little spirituality. I'm Callie Alpert here in the central Hudson Valley in New York with my friend, co-host, spiritual psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg. Hi, Callie. Hi. Nice to see you today in New York. Nice to see you. Nice to hear. And you're in Los Angeles, Pacific Palisades, right? Right by the ocean. And we're socked in today with thick, soupy fog. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Weather. You're welcome. Um, and for people, you know, we, we, uh, Steve and I can see each other even. So we, when we talk about seeing each other, we literally can as our way to you know, bridge the bicoastal divide, but we're happy that everybody else is here to listen with us today. So question for everyone, or maybe this is more of a, uh, a, um, a command, raise your hand, raise your virtual hand. If you want to be happier. That sounds like I'm hearing a universal resounding yes out there, people. Who doesn't want to be happier? So the question becomes, is happiness a lasting state or a momentary feeling? We've all been raised, or many of us have been raised with an aspirational checklist that would have us believing that we're getting closer to achieving happiness. But the truth is that happiness is not an achievement. It's a mastery of leaning into what is. So just sit with that for a minute. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to discuss the difference between happiness without a cause behind it and happiness with a cause behind it, establish the different types of happiness, and lay out some what we hope are thoughtful action steps to help you get closer to a life of being happy every day. Wow. Sound good? That would be a good goal to have, right? (laughs) So the first thing is, I mean, you know what, here, this is what I'm inclined to do, actually, before I even get to our show notes. Yeah. Because I'm just being bold. I really, this is like, I, I'm questioning myself before I even say that, sure. say this. But I want how I want to ask both of us, Yeah. what our relationship is with happiness. How happy are you? Well, I've had a lot of experience of being unhappy. Mm-hmm. And currently, I feel very happy. I would I I don't even think I'd use the word happy. Right. I would use the word fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But um, that's my current state. But most of my life has been a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Between my moods, my failures, <laughs> my betrayals, and occasional happiness. Well, it sounds like a good movie, some sort of a deep drama or soap opera. It's a novel, right? Yeah. Um, So I've always, I actually had a reading a few days ago, (laughs) woman, God bless her, Um, and maybe because I... I, um, I was actually just being very deferential and I didn't want to lead with anything. So I was just real quiet and my, probably my energy Uh was heavier. And the first thing she said to me is, so how happy are you today? (laughs) And I've always hated that question. And, um, like, that's the truth. I love the concept. I love feeling happy. I certainly know what that feels like. Um, I've always hated that question because it's felt like some, uh, like a club that I'm not always allowed into. Uh Like it's a, um, like people that have kind of achieved it or figured out the magic sauce are living with that adjective around them all the time. That's how I kind of interpreted it, you know, before I got a little bit older and a little bit wiser. 
So I think, I you know, always, there's moments, right? But is it like a condition where you're lasting when someone says, yeah, I'm always happy. I'm like, huh, what? Maybe. No, I, I think we tend to be very biased in the direction of how other people are doing. Right. Mm. We tend to compare up rather than comparing down. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I was That's told, true, we do do that. I had a PhD in comparing up. <laughs> That's good. I like that, yeah. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit, a lot more about that today when it comes to um, the difference between our different gauges of happiness. I just want to say for anybody who's joining us, if you would like to call in, get some advice, share a story, share a sentiment, the number is 816-251-3555. And we would love to hear from you because that's what we do. We like to talk to you. So here's a concept that we'll throw out from the spiritual happiness lens, right? Here's, this is a concept I think for most people that the highest ascended masters, if they could whisper, well, they do whisper in our ear, but that's a different show. If they could whisper (laughs) in our ears, if they were our guests today, they would tell us that really as human beings, our true essence, our, our birthright is to be joyful and free and spacious and happy. Right. They would say that. And that the, the, issue or the uh, barrier is that when we're born into our human lives, we tend to forget that larger divine picture. Well, we forget it (laughs) rather quickly. Babies actually can be very joyous, Mm. but they can also be horror shows. And having had two of them, I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So they're like everybody else. If some mood strikes them because they're not getting something they need, there'll be terrors, right? Right. right. And so this is kind of the issue we're talking about. When the circumstances of the world arise and we don't look upon them favorably, we get caught in them. Right. And so when we get caught in those things, and we kind of bemoan our fate, we lose track of our innate peace or happiness. Right. And that innate peace or happiness, it just, you know, again, I'm just, I'm throwing it at the beginning of the show really to kind of paint a picture that that's, that's a goal. Like that's all in us. And then as we get all caught up or as Don Miguel Ruiz would say, indoctrinated into like the checklist of society, all those layers get piled onto us and we get further and further away from remembering our true nature. I'll give you another little metaphor that Maharishi, who I've studied with for many years, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, mm-hmm. um, he would say that human life is like an orange. The inside is very juicy and the outside <laughs> is quite bitter. Mm. It's true. It kind of says it all. It's a good analogy. Doesn't it? Yeah. It's funny. That sounds like something like my Jewish grandmother would say versus like a, you know, a master guru. But he may have been relatable. a Jewish master. Um, <laughs> he may have been a Jewish grandmother in a former That's life. true. That's true. He could have been. Um, so let's talk a little bit about just, uh, I think it's a cultural thing because I think it really depends on, you know, how you're brought up, where you're brought up. But I would say, again, if we're talking in generalities, that most of us are taught that happiness is predicated on a checklist. An an achievement or even an accumulation checklist. Right, right. Of what we achieve, of what we, you know, when when we get educated, when we fall in love, when we have children, when we own a house, when we accomplish X, Y, and Z, when we become the next president, in my case, when I become the next Oprah Winfrey. I went through that phase for a while. Um, Did you and, make it? <laughs> well, I'm here with you right now, aren't I? So we made it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so I think um, it's important just to kind of acknowledge that. I think that um, often we forget. Again, we get so caught up in what uh, 
what society is telling us, what we're conditioned to just do, just going through our lives every day, that it's rare to kind of stop and say, you know what, this could be a little bit of a crock. This could be an illusionary, illusory, illusionary thing. Yeah. Illusionary, right. And it's because um, that sweet orange, (laughs) that's the sweet part of it is in the middle of it. Mm. And you have to be able to get through the bitter part to get to the sweet part. Mm -hmm. And getting through that is very demanding. It takes a lot of, it's taken me a lot of inner work, psychological inner work, and a lot of spiritual practice to be able to hit that that kind of line of gold inside. Mm. But even with that, it's not steady. And it's easily overcome when I'm overcome by circumstances. Right. So this is not so easy, right? Uh, I would say not, you know, and again, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but, um, but I do think that (laughs) I think that if, you know, I just think, first of all, I think people are made differently. Some people just have more of a, um, a cultural or chemical predisposition to living more easily. Um, I think some, you and I have talked about this. I think there's certain ancestral lineages that might've come in with a little bit more, you know, drama and difficulty and neuroses and whatever. Um, and so I think there's a lot that plays into all this, but yes, when it comes to just us in our lives every day, the idea of getting back to, as you would call it, like base camp, like your center as much as you can, rather than being influenced by your external circumstances, um, can be really helpful. So with that, let's take our first caller and then, be, um, and then we're going to get in a little bit deeper about the difference between like happiness with a cause and happiness without a cause, which is an expression you shared with me recently, which I think is really, really important. Caller, are you there? Maybe that's me. Is that me? Hi. Yeah. What's your name and where are you calling from? Um, it's uh, Deborah. <clears throat> and I'm calling from Nyack, New York. Hello. Thanks for joining Hi. us today. How are you? How are you? How are you? What are your What are your thoughts about our topic today? The idea of um, happiness. Do you have a story to share? A question? Um. Yeah. Do you have like a lifetime? No, just kidding. <laughs> we can start. Sure. Happiness is a fleeting thing, as they say in peanuts. But um, it's interesting that you would bring this up because there's so many things. Um, you know, being into the spiritual realm and all that, people are dishing out a lot of um, webinars and advice on being happy and charging you millions of dollars and they're listening to their mm-hmm. guides say, well, you need six sessions for $250 to achieve a life of health, wealth, happiness, and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is that happiness is, it, it makes you almost feel guilty, like there's something wrong with you if you don't wake up every day going like, oh my God, it's another day, I cannot wait mm-hmm. to see what's around the next corner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, in fact, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But we're we're humans. We're human beings, and I think the humans run, you know, the whole gamut of emotions. We experience sad, we experience joy, happiness. But I don't like all this, you know. And I'm very woo-woo in a lot of ways, but I don't like feeling guilty for not having a life of total joy, peace, love, abundance, and happiness. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And, um, but I do know, I do believe in the plasticity of the mind, and it is, you know, how you look at life. You can wake up and think, oh, no, not another day, or you can switch your mind, switch your thoughts, and go, okay, I may have to deal with this, but you know what? It might just be a beautiful day. So mm-hmm. do you all, so it really is a matter of rewiring the brain, rewiring the thinking, how we perceive and I do believe all that can be done, but I don't know why it's such a damn struggle, probably because we're hardwired and programmed from way the hell back then, when. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, so is there, um, so is it a struggle for you? Is that what we're hearing? And um, I'm happy oh, on occasion, on occasion, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, you know, this is another thing is that, um, People talk about it's all internal. Um, happiness is an internal thing, but it's not to me because we live in a very internal and external world. 
and it's hard not to be affected by what happens externally. Like, oh, you don't need somebody to love in your life. You need to love yourself. If you love yourself, you will have no need for anybody else. And I don't really believe that either because, again, we're hardwired for companionship, for um, partnership, and all that kind of good stuff. And, um, and I think this love yourself and you'll be happy has kind of been taken to the extreme, and that's just my um, or just opinion. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, so you made a few points that I completely relate to and really appreciate. First of all, um, my my question rhetorically back to you, and uh, you can answer or sit with it, would be, why are you? Who's making you feel guilty when you don't feel um, happy? And I understand the concept and what you're why, what you're bringing up. It was sort of what I was saying earlier about feeling like I was missing being a member of the club. Um, But what I've also learned is that I think that the road to happiness requires really honoring all of the feelings that come with it. To me, that's one of the big first pieces of the sort of secret sauce is to lean into all the everything that you're feeling, um, because that lack of resistance and that leaning in is, I think, part of the formula. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Thich Nhat Hanh said it really well. He was saying that uh, people have the general idea of Buddhism as a disassociation from the difficulty in life. But he was maintaining that real Buddhism has to do with a full participation in life with everything that you were talking about when you were making your uh, statement. And so it's through a full participation that we really mature our character and I think we learn the most and it's possible through that journey that we get to a place perhaps of greater contentment. Right. And I think that that speaks, Deborah, to what you're saying about the plasticity piece because Mm -hmm. and the internal and external, I think it's all part of the same thing, part of the same point that Steve was just making Mm -hmm. is that it's not, if you you look at it as not dualistic or mutually exclusive of each other, I think that's sort of the point that we're trying to make is that all of this can coexist and the more acceptance or surrender or leaning in we have to, oh, I feel horrible. Oh, I'm angry. Oh, I feel better. I just meditated. Oh, now I have hope. Oh, now I feel angry. Like I have plenty of days like this, not where it's like a crazy roller coaster of moods every three seconds. But you know, if you're, deep feeling person and you're on a path and you want to, you know, be honest with yourself and look at all these different shades and colors every day, that is part of the experience of the, of the road to happiness. Did you, do you guys, I know you guys are very well versed and well studied, you know, Rumi, of course. Um, Do you know his poem, The Guest House? My favorite. Steve's a bit of a, a lot of a roomy scholar, and yes, the guest house is beautiful. Do you want to you want to yeah. recite it to us? Well, yes, because well, no, I don't know. Do you want me to? I'll put it that way. Um, it sure. says, and I had to pull it up because the person I'm living with pasted it on the refrigerator. Uh, and good. <laughs> the beginning is this: being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows. Who violently sweeps your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. Woohoo! The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And so this stuff, this pursuit of happiness, I guess has been or the, the, the ruminations on happiness. It's been going on for ever, for centuries. It's our Eons, human nature. Yeah. Our, des- yeah. our desire to feel free and to feel joy. Mm-hmm. I think we're, uh, you were talking about being hardwired. So I think we're uh, definitely hardwired to have um, feelings of ease or comfort or peace. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's within us too. And so we do seek that. We, you know, as humans, we seek pleasure and mm-hmm. we avoid pain. And um, when you get to the place where you're welcoming whatever is coming as a guide from beyond, I think you're getting to a place of extraordinary equilibrium. Beautifully said. Does that help, Deborah? Does it inspire in any way or kind of find it, give you a little new insight? 
I think you know what helps is the fact that um, we all kind of experience very similar things as human beings, and it makes you feel like, oh, I'm not alone, really. You know, right? And we're Beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for calling. Appreciate the sentiment sure. and for joining us today. And yeah, I think that that's um, I think that's a big piece of it too. Is the idea of um, remembering that we are we're not alone. And that's, that's a big incentive for why we do the show is to remind people that we're not, you know, um, one of the other things that comes to mind, uh, just very loudly in the moment when we're talking, listening to Deborah's, um, and and your exchange was, I think that we're also taught that, um, again, happiness is out there. And I know this sounds cliche because people throw this stuff around a lot in a lot of those overpriced webinars that she was referring to. (laughs) But I think that if you don't look at it as sort of aspirational and you look at it as more of a, um, like just letting yourself remember that it's already in there and just letting the layers kind of melt off all the layers that are between us and our inner joy that we're already predisposed to have and that you said we are hardwired if we would just remember i think that's just an interesting distinction it's not over there it's oh it's in here i just need to make way for it again i actually came up with something a few years ago that it's not about self-improvement for me right because i was on the self-improvement kick for 150 years it was really about self-acceptance mm-hmm. And so the more self-acceptance I have, the more I kind of mine that juicy part of the orange. And the more I'm into self-improvement, the more I'm, I continue to seek without feeling like I'm enough. Mm. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, I've learned because I always call myself a seeker. I think we've even used that like on the show when we're t- talking about the difference in our roles as we show up on the show. And um, that's come up a lot lately in a lot of my reading and just kind of online travels is that if you're seeking something, it suggests that you don't already have it. And it's a really beautiful thing to remember while you're seeking. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take another call, shall we? Caller, are you there? I'm here. Hi, who's this? um, What's your name and where are you calling from? Um, My name is Jan and I'm calling from LA. This is such a wonderful topic. Thank you for joining um, us. Do you have a, an, a, a, something you'd like to share, a question or comment? I've got a couple of things. Um, I'm, I'm, happiness is something that I've always fell, felt so um, elusive. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, a few years ago, I asked a very old and wise aunt of mine, and um, how, how, do you, how do you find happiness? And she... Um, she surprised me. She said, um, I've found that happiness comes and goes. And for me, it's more important to have peace because peace stays. Beautiful. So that just really was like a benchmark inside of me. And then, so this brings up my question about happiness uh, because I would love to hear both of your take on it. Why is happiness such a difficult quality to achieve? Because honestly, I don't think I know many people who are really happy. And if it's our birthright, how come so few people achieve it? (laughs) Steve's pointing at me to answer first, and I was looking (laughs) at you. Um, You know, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm a work in progress on this topic myself, you know, so I'm not sure that I have the 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 wisest answer I'd say one of the things is um based even in the way you just asked the question is the idea uh, and this is not to pick apart semantics it's just to make the point that I think there is a distinction again between something between happiness happiness being something that we have to achieve that we are, we're looking for that we're seeking that we're trying to grasp and yeah. just relaxing in, in, into remembering that it's already inside of us you know I think we're so good at getting caught up in all the the lures of our day-to-day um, external circumstances and all those tests that I think um, we're not taught. You know, I, I don't think it's part of our culture or part of our, um, I think unless you're on a spiritual path, you're not really taught that it's probably more important to, um, or it'll behoove you more to look inside than it will to look outside. You know, I think that's, it's part of the practice, part of the, part of the spiritual process. 
It's an interesting thing. If you look at um, what Buddha said, uh, Buddha's first noble truth says that the, he says that the greatest cause of human suffering is our attachment to that which is transitory or our attachment to that which is always changing. And so if something that occurs in our life is wonderful, it makes us happy, but because of the changing nature of that, we lose the happiness. Um, the idea is that we're motivated as human beings for good reason. And maybe if we get, we're going to come up to a, uh, a break here, we can finish afterwards. So if you can hold on, that would be great. But we gravitate, all we know is when we're born, we're gravitating toward the outside world. It could be the look of a parent's face. The parent is smiling. And so we feel like we're loved or the parent is frowning and we feel that there's something wrong with us. So I'm going to continue this kind of this stream of consciousness in a minute. All right, so Paula, if you, Jan, if you could hold on, we're going to put you on hold. We're going to run to a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation on happiness and offer some of the magic sauce. We'll be right back. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, dear friends, to One Soul Radio. We are talking about happiness. This is our happiness challenge show. Um, we're talking about the difference between just sort of the idea of what we get indoctrinated into in terms of aspiring and um, toward or, and achieving happiness through an external checklist versus how we can get a little bit deeper into leaning into the uh, quiet and space that we show up with on this planet where we're already predisposed to happiness and we just don't remember that we are. So I'm going to bring our caller back on the line. We had um, Jan on the line and Jan had, um, you were asking about why it seems like this is such a um, elusive concept that there's so few people that you know that are happy. And, um, and Steve was starting to talk about how from a very early age, even as a baby with no real consciousness yet, we're, we're already learning about uh, the things that are approved of, disapproved of externally, right? Yeah, and so we're magnetized by the external world. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's very difficult to remember. And certainly as a child, you're, you're, you act from that beautiful place of heaven often, but you don't remember that that's what you're doing. Right. So it's a very unconscious thing, and it, and it takes a long time living life to be to get to the place where you realize if I'm going to be happy, I'm going to have to deal with my external situations, my internal thoughts and feelings in a way that I can resolve them. So one of the answers I have to Jan's question is that it takes a dedication and commitment to kind of master life. That happiness is waiting for all of us because it's our essence. But the mastery of life, which is the mastery of our own thoughts and feelings, that takes a long time and it takes a lot of dedicated work. Most people are not interested in that. <laughs> it's much more easy to take a drink mm -hmm. or to seek um, wonderful experiences which are very elusive 
and feel horrible that we, we can't be happy by holding on to the external. So it's because of the hard work that it takes to get to that sweetness at the center of the orange um, that it's not more common. That's my mm. answer to it. Right. And it's really, it's a choice. So, you know, I think a few of the things that we've set up already today that I think are pretty significant are that, um, that we're all subject to the challenges. We're, we come into these lives on earth to, to do just this, to learn, to work through all these things and continue to pull ourselves back to center if we so choose, or to endure all the um, external material challenges and benefits and joys um, but you know, that, that come with being here, um, on planet earth, but at the same time are like Steve said, all fleeting and transitory ultimately, like any Buddhist would, would teach us. And then the spiritual piece of it, which is, um, which I believe is where the kind of formula to happiness is, is have having the external and the internal coexist more peacefully with each other. To me, that's one definition of happiness is to, um, start to detach from it a little bit more, right? To, yeah. Or maybe not detach, but to lean into it, to create more space around the external so the external is not what is dictating us every day. Perfect, yeah. Um, Jen, does that help you? Does that connect? It does, it does. And then what's coming up for me too, that's really great, thank you, is the humanness of it and us being gentle with ourselves because recently my dog died and there is mm. nothing that could make me happy during that time. And right. even now, I will just think. And I, 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 I think that um, for me specifically, I have to remember that there are times that I'm just um, going through what, you know, what we go through as humans and to just uh, be with that. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I could also is coming up that I sort of share with the nuance of what you're um, saying is I am completely, you know, I, I am often so caught up in the idea of feeling a sense of transcendence, a sense of um, spiritual transcendence from this earthly existence. And mm -hmm. I have often attached that as my sort of benchmark, aspirational benchmark of like succeeding in, and that's not the right word, but having grown more spiritually is if right. I can feel more transcendent. And what I'm constantly being reminded of is, is that's really not the goal. The goal is to live that inside of all the earthly experiences that I have every day. So I have to always remind right. myself that it's not about like dancing on the clouds, you know, and hanging out with unicorns and rain <laughs> rainbows, sort of my just like <laughs> silly analogy for my, you know, for a spiritual, uh, aspirational spiritual essence, but to bring that to these experiences that are hard. So an example of that might be just crying and honoring the pain that you're feeling for your dog. That might be a road to happiness if we're going to loop it back to the theme today. It might just be sitting with that for whatever period of time, not transcending it, not walking through it, not feeling better, not talking yourself out of it. It could be, I'm posing this rhetorically, it could be that that is part of your road to happiness is, is feeling the depth and the grief in, in the presence of that pain of having lost your, your, your pet. Yeah, I would say it's uh, the, the road to living a full life, that we can avoid these things. And so to go through it with a self-honoring, that what I'm going through is very important, that I miss my dog so much. We had an extraordinary relationship. And so what I'm feeling is legitimate. I don't need to question it. And I can just go as deeply as I want and feel it as deeply as, it, as it's coming and allow myself to grieve. So to, again, to me, it's about building a deep human life with all of its flavors, its fragrances, its nuances, and being able to really bring that all into your heart without closing your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So you have full blessing and permission from us. We give you our permission and yeah, blessing. Yeah. That your grieving is not um, precluding or mutually exclusive of your happiness. It's taking you closer to your happiness. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for thank your you. loss. Yeah. I want to mention. Sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. No, go ahead. I was just going to thank Jen for calling. Yeah. 
I want to uh, quote from Ernest Hemingway as a rising in my brain. Oh, I'd like to hear. I love a good Hemingway quote. We haven't talked about Hemingway in a long time. Hemingway says, the world breaks everyone, Mm -hmm. but some become stronger in the broken places. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of talking about that today, aren't we? I also think that we, you know, again, I'm just speaking like from, you know, Americans, totally generalizing. I think we're often taught, and I think a lot of our puritanical history is based on stiff upper lip, soldiering through, sublimating feelings. You know, again, I'm I'm generalizing because it's not as much like this anymore. But I think that deep in in our DNA is a um, sort of a, a learning that we're we're meant to just continue forward and and almost resist or redefine. Um, how you know are the the the, mo- the emotions that some would say are the tough ones or the neg- quote unquote negative emotions, mm-hmm. and I think in that is exactly why sometimes it takes us much longer to get to the real version of what peace and happiness are, because we're not giving ourselves permission to feel whatever comes up. I would ag- be, right. I would so agree with that. Right, was that that movie with Woody Allen, Di- Diane Keaton, uh, which was. One- the flashbacks at the dinner table where Diane Keaton's uh, Presbyterian upbringing, nobody spoke about themselves, but everybody was very kind and cordial. Right. And Woody Allen's back, Jewish background where everybody was screaming at the table and throwing food. <laughs> so you're kind of talking about that kind of thing. Yeah. And most of us are, we want to look good. So we repress a lot of what pains us. Right. And we don't express the things easily. And I, I suppose in different cultures, if people were allowed to do that, or if culturally it was allowed, there'd be more freedom in experiencing feelings and ex- experiencing emotions. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. How do you feel about, um, our caller earlier brought this up to some degree, and actually our beloved engineer, Jeff, um, just mentioned this during our commercial break. Where does perception come in? Um, You know, when you choose, oh, this is really tough, or um, it's cloudy today, or I'm having a challenge in XYZ area of my life, and yet you still choose to, quote unquote, think positively, or have a better lens around it, not let it get the best of you. How much of it has to do with your perception versus letting yourself feel it? Yeah. And some people are predisposed, right? Some people just have lighter souls. Some people have lighter uh, chemistry. They do. I agree with that. But it's certainly something I see in my office all the time. And so let's say people who are depressed are predisposed and usually because uh, there have been circumstances in their past in which they've been hurt. And so if you get hurt over and over again, or you feel you haven't found love over and over again, or you failed in business or whatever it is, over time it erodes your confidence that you can have a successful life. Right. So uh, no blame for anybody we all go through different circumstances, and for some people, they're much more difficult. For some people, they're easier. Some people are born with uh, a nature that's more even-tempered. Mm-hmm. Some people are more dramatic, like me. So, <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. Go ahead. Right? And so, and so <laughs> when, you're, when your disposition is more dramatic and more passionate, you tend to feel everything and you feel the highs and the lows. And some people think you're manic depressive, but you're really feeling everything yeah. and it's quite a ride. Right. And so you can get to the point where, you know, I'm, I just have a kind of a negative attitude. I don't know what's going to happen next. My experience is that things have been difficult and that's what I'm expecting. I've done that a lot over the years. I'm still trying to work it out with things that um, like recurring challenges, recurring lacks of satisfaction in certain areas of my life where, yeah, I don't know if it's a defense mechanism or just a um, 
a hardening around certain things. And then you start projecting that it almost becomes a habituated expectation, um, which is not again, from a spiritual energetic perspective, not the most helpful thing to do, but to undo it is it's a thing. It's, it really takes a lot of work going back to what you said earlier. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about, I want to make sure that we, we're going to get to our action steps, which are lighter, smaller versions, but let's talk about the secret sauce to happiness. Secret no one, sauce. Yeah, the secret sauce. We've been kind of like uh, we've been t- touching upon it. You know, um, the idea. I think the bottom line being that uh, the more we can st- stay away from attaching to transitory circumstances, the more we can pull ourselves back to the center. The more we can practice, practice, practice via mindfulness and meditation. But what would you say as someone, you know, and I know you well enough to know that you are in a pretty consistently happy, nonplussed place about most things most of the time, more than anybody, most people that I know, perhaps anybody. Um, and you weren't always like that, as you so. Of course, you don't live remember. with me. That's true. I don't, I don't live. I'm not, I'm not canonizing you. I'm saying that no, I know I'm from you. your perspective, <laughs> from your perspective, that, yeah. um, you know, the way you look at the world and the way you deal with things, it kind of washes in and out and through you and you're not that caught up in it. So how, how does happen? one, how in the world did you get here? Well, I was, uh, <laughs> I was answering Jan on that question. So, um, Certainly for most of my life, if I use the ocean uh, as a metaphor, Mm -hmm. um, I kept getting knocked over by very, very large waves. I also get knocked over by small waves, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, I I had a hard time growing up. I wasn't, I was I had dyslexia. Uh, I was ADD. I had all kinds of things going on, which nobody realized about me. So school was very difficult, and I got a very poor opinion of myself. And um, I, for whatever reason, I had a very powerful calling to start meditating at 19 years old, right. uh, doing yoga at 19 and meditating at 19. And um, I spent many years in retreats, facing my shadow, facing my fears, facing my father, dealing with my mother, yelling at my sister. (laughs) So uh, I'm getting to the answer, which is that it was a commitment to uh, something that I knew inside about myself that I was eternal being. I knew that at 12 years old, Mm -hmm. that I was an eternal being and I was here for a short period of time. And what I needed to do was to learn to love myself through the pain, through the sorrow, through the difficulty and keep coming back to kindness and love. And um, I learned that and practiced it and I've gotten to the point where that is the the gift that mm-hmm. I've been given. And so that's the reason for my uh, equanimity. <laughs> <laughs> right, equanimity. So going back to what um, Jan was saying about her, I think it was her aunt that she referenced earlier, where she said that she wasn't looking to be happy, she was looking to be peaceful. Right. They're not, they're not, they're sort of the same thing. Right. You know, use the word equanimity. I think that's also maybe that's another distinction that's worthy of making here is, you know, there's a difference between seeking or wanting to feel a sense of ecstasy and very strong levels of glee and joy and pleasure or feeling a sense of peace and gentle right. joy and just freedom from being caught inside all the tumbleweeds that face us every day. Right. Being like a, just a, a center a very center quiet inside of a storm, regardless of what the storm is. That's what I'm hearing you describing. Right. And so when the waves are coming, they're just moving through me. Right. And why, why are they moving through me? Because I, I've been able to uh, collect enough of my being 
in order to um, have the space to withstand them. Right. And um, so I use the word equanimity. I use the word inner peace. Um, happiness is a part of that energy. Mm-hmm. But that energy has a lot of beautiful uh, treasures in it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different qualities. And so you get to experience all those qualities of your inner nature. And that's our birthright. And I think it's important to point out, too, when you talk about um, returning to love after, you know, a lot of the hardships that you faced. Um, I my, myself, too, have had quite a quite a ride with a lot of challenging and still really, really challenging stuff piled and piled on often for long periods of time often. And now I'm talking about all of us, not just talking about me. Um, when you talk about love and kindness, a lot of it is toward yourself. Right. So I think that um, really, again, that's another bottom line. The more you can commit, number one, to this concept, if you care to be happy, and if the external bit's not working for you, which ultimately doesn't work for many, which is why you see these horrible crashes and some extreme sort of uh, actions that people take if they lose a great job, if they lose a great relationship, if they lose a great house, if they lose, you know, um, if they if they're faced with some extreme um, difficulties, they often have some major fallout. There's because they hadn't ever built or or fortified the inside, the inner part of them, um, and all the things that are not based in external, or as you would say, happiness without a cause. When there isn't a particular reason behind why you're feeling good on a certain day, the more you can fortify that, the more the you can weather all the things that are kind of thrown to you. So I think it's um, it's just a matter, number one, of deciding and then figuring out what your tack is. Therapy, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, seminars, yoga. Nature hikes. Hugging a tree. You know, whatever it is, I think the bottom line is creating space and, and, and reducing reactivity and attachment to all the things that are thrown us. You know, I was thinking even today um, – <laughs> I took a minute and you're, you, you know, I've learned this from you too. Um, the depths to which giving yourself a pat on the back or throwing some love back at yourself or some acknowledgement about what you've endured or, um, the grace you're showing up with despite a hard time or whatever it might be is all part of that. It creates a lot more, it, it just deepens the well of peace and space inside of you. And I was noticing today, um, I was just giving myself a moment of, wow, you've got a lot of stuff going on. That's, you know, a lot of challenging things happening at once. And at the same time, I caught myself um, in a conversation with somebody where I was still like super present and felt a great sense of grace and actually felt really funny, which is not something that I've felt for a while. Certain people that know me um, know that I actually have a pretty good sense of humor, but it's not an adjective people that don't know me would know about me. And I was just grateful that these things were showing up. And it was really um, because I was just so present in the moment and not carrying all the other load of everything that I could drive myself bonkers with if I decided to start getting caught in all the challenges. And it was just a nice moment to recognize that this really works. That's really why I'm saying it. The idea of finding that space and being super present in every moment in the deepest way you can possibly learn to do is part of shedding how much all of the external stuff owns you. And in that, I believe the happiness pot of gold at the end of the rainbow awaits. Beautiful, Callie. Is that I love too that. poetic? No, I love you. Very fairy. So, so good for me. And <laughs> I just what I'm thinking about now is there are ways for people to align with that that gold inside of them. And um, one of the ways that people can do that is to be more generous, to help people who need help. Yeah. Uh, to give yourself away, to be more selfless to call a friend and compliment them, to do things. And, uh, you know, when I got stuck in, in so, many, so many times in my life, I would find ways of finding something beautiful about somebody else and let them know about that. Yeah. And this aligns us with our, our higher self, and it aligns us with our happiness and our grace and gratitude. So that's important to remember. 
I also think, and then we're going to get to our action steps momentarily, that maybe it's one of the ways that we can use this last year and a half well, which is that we've all been, again, in very different ways, um, been reminded that a lot of the external systems, both large and small, don't really work and have been stripped away and challenged and dismantled. And in some ways, we're really being asked to just look at the core, just look at the center of the orange, you know, to really um, to find our way out. So perhaps that's something that'll that'll happen collectively. So for our action steps, and these are a little bit on the um, the lighter side of what we've been talking about today, but ways again to just sort of help take you in the direction of creating a little bit more space and letting a little bit more joy and happiness in. One is to um, get in touch with the level of self-criticism that you might um impose on yourself every day. Try to suspend it by noticing what you do when you do it. And if you want to really have a little bit more fun, every time you catch yourself with some negative self-speak or criticizing yourself or something, put a dollar in a jar and then um, give it to you. Tell, <laughs> you tell them what to do with that, with the dollar, with the money that they collect. Oh, you can give it to a cause that you hate. Right. Give it to a cause <laughs> that you hate as a way to just to really <laughs> remind you. Um, Can I just emphasize something on that? The reason we're talking about criticism is every criticism dampens down your energy. Mm. Every criticism reminds you of what's wrong with life. Every criticism reminds you that what you want, you're never going to get. And we get hung up in a thought and we're too big for that. And so that's why we're suggesting this exercise. Thank you for, for building that bridge. Exactly. Um, the second one is to be free with your compliments. Maybe have a little bit of fun and make sure you give somebody um, that you know, or even if you don't know, um, a compliment three times a week or do it, do that three times a week. Um, whether it's at somebody at the checkout counter or somebody that you love or somebody on a, you know, on a customer service line that's helped you try to compliment them um, and see how it makes you feel because ultimately it all comes back. And then finally, think about how to make any particular given moment, like this moment, right this moment, more meaningful. Whether it's you're talking to somebody and you tell them in the moment that you love them, or it's hugging somebody a little tighter, or if you're doing your work, pay a little bit more attention, derive a little bit more pleasure from what you're doing. Just try to deepen every moment. So action steps, one more time, quickly to reiterate, try to suspend your self-criticism. And when you do it, Give, put a dollar in the jar, send that jar of money to a cause that you hate. <laughs> Compliment three different people during the week and think, how to, think about how to make every moment more meaningful. So with that, we want to thank you all for joining us today. This hour went quickly. We wish you joy and peace. If you'd like to learn more about us or you'd like to um, offer any suggestions, we're on Facebook. One Soul Radio Podcast is our Facebook page. Instagram at One Soul Radio. If you'd like to engage in any topics, issues that you want us to cover, we'd like to hear from you. Next week, same time, same place, our show is is Good Communication, A Lost Art. Thank you all for joining us. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.